Hi, and welcome to the Smart Driving Cars podcast. This edition is sponsored by the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. For more information, head to MOTOETF.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Good morning, Alan. Hey, good morning, Fred. And we are happy to welcome back with us from Sweden, Michael Senna, consultant and publisher of The Dispatcher. Great to see you again, Michael. Pleasure to be here, as always. Uh, Very nice. Well, the November issue of The Dispatcher has arrived, and this one is electrifying. (laughs) The, The headline in the lead article, The Coming Battle Over Car Electrification, and the subheadline reads, energy shortages, a sign we have been moving too fast in the wrong direction. Let's start out with a little bit of an overview, Michael. I don't know how you do a little bit on this. It's a big (laughs) article. Well, those who have been following the articles I've been reading, uh, have been writing about uh, energy, electric cars are familiar with the fact that I, I believe that we have we focus too too quickly and too much on battery electric vehicles to the exclusion of of other technologies. Um, the purpose of this article, the reason that I wrote this article, and particularly now, is that next week or the at the um, on this on Sunday this weekend, there is the uh, UN Climate Conference COP twenty six, which is taking place in. Um, in Glasgow, and this gathering should have taken place last year. It was it was um, postponed because of COVID, and now we're they're coming together to discuss where the status of where everyone is on the promises that they made in uh, in Paris five years ago, and you know what what's what's happening now, what's happened, and what what looks like it should be happening in the in the future. Just a few weeks before this is going to take place in Europe, principally in the United States, but also in in other places like China, uh, people have noticed that the energy that should be coming out of of, uh, electric plants and the oil that should be coming into um, gasoline and and diesel and other petroleum products is in very short supply, as well as gas. And it turns out that the main reason for the the short supply is that the increased emphasis that we've placed over the last half dozen years on renewable energy, primarily solar and wind, doesn't always provide us with the energy that we need because the wind doesn't always blow as much as we'd like it to and the sun doesn't always shine in the places that we would very much like it to. And so we've had a shortage. And combined with the fact that companies, oil companies, gas gas exploration companies have been forced through the markets and through and through the governments to reduce the amount of, of uh, exploration that they've been doing has meant that there are severe shortages of the fuels that have been fueling us for all of these years 
at the same time that that the fuels that that we need it the sustainable fuels so-called sustainable fuels that are supplanting these or should be um, are not performing as well and even worse the one source of energy that we have we have had which is both in many many views um, non-emissions um, develops no no emissions um, nuclear energy has been shut off by countries uh, particularly countries that that need the energy um, Germany we're doing the same thing in, in Sweden but in, in many places in the world so we're people are going now to to Glasgow where they're going to be the people who are attending there are going to be saying we need to be doing more of what we have said we were going to do which is shutting off nuclear plants closing down coal electrification stopping the the um, the cars that burn gasoline and diesel and and, and supplanting those with with uh, electric cars while all of the sources that we have th- that we need to have in order to do this aren't performing. And, and what I've said here is that we're in this situation because someone, some group of people, and primarily those who are or are going to be attending this, this uh, conference, um, have just made the decision that this is the way that we should be doing this. This is the direction that we should be going in. And this is the speed at which we should be moving. You know, we have to do this by 2030, by 2040, by 2050. Otherwise, the world isn't going to be the world that we knew and we're not going to be able to live here anymore. And what I've done is, what I've tried to do is to say, we're not getting to where we need to get to, not only because we've made these decisions which were not necessarily based in in all of the facts that we need to be looking at. But the people who are are most affected by this haven't really had any say. It's it's been a completely top-down from the the standpoint of making decisions and bottom-up, mostly, I'd say mostly teenage bottom-up with lots of people in the in the in the academic circles and the non-governmental organizations you know, climate environmental organizations saying we have to do it this way, we can't do it any other way. And and if you and if you if you don't do it our way, we're going to be we're going to be in a position where we can't we can't do anything by 2030 because it'll be too late. And by 2050 we're not going to be able to live on the planet anymore. We might as well all just close up shop and go away. No one believes that that's the case. No one believes that that's the case. But they're making that as the argument in order to get people to move faster and more diligently toward the solution that they've chosen. The political situation in the United States is such that we can't make decisions, whether it's to decide to to fix the bridges or how we're going to deal with COVID or anything else, because we've we've divided ourselves up into these groups, which I've I've used in the in the um, in the article, George Packard, um, into these groups that are unable to communicate with each other, unable to cooperate with each other, and unable to make decisions that can effectively 
take this problem and break it down into its, its components and say, we can solve this if we work together. There's no working together in the United States. And, and the same situation exists in other places, particularly the, in, in Great Britain, where we have groups of people who are on different sides of defense. And in this case, in the United States, these four different groups that, have, that, I've, that George Packer has defined, that's making, us in, in making it impossible to, to cooperate in a way that we can define solutions that are realistic, that are doable, that everyone agrees can be done. And then to work toward those those together. Um, you're, it doesn't sound like you're saying that the that the that the climate science and is is necessarily off here, but you're talking about not looking at the full breadth of potential solutions. Well, if uh, correct, you're 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 absolutely correct. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a a, a a a climate. I'm not saying that the, the climate is that the, that global warming is not occurring. I'm not saying that at all. We know it is. We can see it. It's it's obvious that, that all of the signs are there. But what I am saying is that we've chosen a solution or a set of solutions, which, if we don't do those. If we don't implement these solutions, the groups who are are making the greatest amount of noise, and the people who are coming to this this COP twenty six are saying this is our, this is what we have to do. We have to make all cars electric. Well, where is the electricity coming from? I've, we've seen, you know, we know we know where it's coming from in in uh, in China. It's you know sixty percent of it is made with coal. We know where it's coming from in Germany and Poland and and many parts of the United States. At the same time as we're saying we shouldn't be we shouldn't be taking the carbon out of the of the ground and using that and burning it in order to generate electricity, because we're going to need this electricity to do everything that we that between making steel and making concrete and and making electricity to to you know to do everything that we need to do with our with our computers. That electricity has to be generated somehow. And to say that we're going to be using solar and wind and even hydroelectricity from from water, these are climate sensitive. We have a problem with the climate and we're using climate sensitive methods in order to to solve the problem. And and then we we wonder, oh, gee, that's too bad that we had the wind didn't blow as much as we should, should have. Well, maybe we'll fix it next year. Maybe it'll blow more. But then, you know, then we don't have any way of dealing with the wind blowing more or the solar power. We have places where we need energy. Sweden's a very good example. We have lots of wind up north. We have lots of hydroelectricity up north. We have three times, four times the price of electricity in the southern part of Sweden versus in the northern part of Sweden. And it's in the southern part of Sweden where everybody lives. You know, these, these kind of situations that we get ourselves in. And then on top of that where we have a very good energy source in nuclear power, which is stable, it works. And, you know, the, the knee-jerk reaction of Angela Merkel, you know, she's done, a, she's done a decent job. But there are lots of things. One of the things that she hadn't done is just unilaterally decide we're going to shut off all of our nuclear power. 
uh, Angela, you you burn a lot of coal. What are you what are you going to do to replace the coal? Well, we don't know. We're going to we're also going to close down our coal mines because that's not good either. And I want to look good when I come to these these uh, UN meetings. I want to be you know the important person who's made all of the good things. I'm like, and and the politicians are making these kinds of moves, and they're getting all of the of the the uh, the kudos. But who's who's dealing with this? Who's living with these situations? You know, who's freezing and who's who's get who's too hot when it's when it's boiling and who's too cold when it's when it's so very 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 cold? Uh, it's normal people, and they haven't. Nobody's voted on this. Nobody said, "Yeah, we agree on this." And the the coming battle is the same kind of battle that's going on right now in the U- the U.S. with just about everything. You've got folks who are you know with the, with the former guy. You've got folks who are with the with you know with the other Republicans. You've got the the all the smart Alex like us who you know who think we know all of the the answers. The, the so the called smartest smart, and then you've got this other group who now called the uh, the just Americans who want everybody to have everything that they could possibly have, and you know they're they're going they're making part of this the, the climate. It's part of their argument. But even they are in a situation where they, you know, they're pushing a solution, but they don't, they don't have anyone, they don't have enough people behind them. And when it comes to the point where people are going to have to start, stop driving their cars, and they're going to have to start turning down the thermostats, or, or you know, turning up the, the, uh, the temperature instead of going down on their, on their air conditioning systems, people are going to start to say, no, this, we, didn't, we didn't vote for this. This isn't what we want this isn't what we wanted. You haven't ever asked us, and we don't want to go there. And you're talking about uh, there's going to be a backlash. Obviously, if that happens, there would be. We have. A, we've already had. You know, how much more of a backlash could we possibly have had than January sixth? How can we? I mean, this this wasn't the one-off thing. This is something that. I mean, I was I was over here and I was scared to death about what's going on there. You know. And, and then you see somebody on television. He's get this person is being shot through a door, and the person dies. This is this is in the this is in our Congress. You know, people people in sitting in the in the the the, the senator, senators' offices with their feet up on the desk. I mean, I can't understand why all of these people aren't already in jail. You know, I I, I just it, we're, we, I guess it's because we have a really good judicial system where we go through the process you know methodically and you know eventually everybody gets who's done things wrong but i mean talk about talk about a backlash you start taking away our cars uh, you telling me that i've got to you know i've got to start using a start, start using an electric scooter to you know to to round up the sheep come on but michael yes. michael yeah. um isn't the marketplace somehow going to uh, uh, deal or let's say rear its ugly head on this thing? I mean, um, we've, we went through the pandemic with, um, with the logistics system working. I mean, phenomenally well about the only thing we ran out of was toilet paper. And when we ran out of toilet paper, we had like had, we went nuts, but somehow, you know, I, I went to Costco all during that. And, you know, 
you know, at one point they limited the number of chickens, the roasted chickens I could buy to two, and I almost, I almost freaked out, and you know, and mm-hmm. and 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 I, I was first in line to get some toilet paper, so I bought enough so that my neighbors could have some too. This is so, this is in the bubble, but but we're about to face another one with respect to it's going to be interesting this Christmas, because if you're not buying your Christmas presents now, uh, I don't know what black Friday, there's not going to be any, I I don't know. At least some people are saying, I mean, all the ships are backed up at, at, uh, at uh, long beach, (laughs) nothing's hitting the docks. Nothing's, I don't know. Everything from Uh, toys to electronics. If you go to, my broker just bought a Rivian and I asked them, uh, when is it being delivered? There's no delivery date. Oh my, I mean, when's the last time we bought cars in which there was no delivery dates? Now, of course he probably has eight other cars in his, in his garage. So he doesn't, you know, doesn't really need it, but, but, you know the the price of cars right now around here is like is like you know if you can get one at manufactured suggested retail price you'd probably and and get it today i mean mm-hmm. uh you you you, you, you yeah. the, the shortage there and what hasn't hit yet is i think that the perception out there is that the electricity to propel the electric car is free. Now, whether or not um, that's an Elon thing that he did, it's brilliant if he did it. I mean, you know, if you're creating a new product, you want... You want the perception of the product to be free. I, I tell in my class, you know, I used to look at ads for new cars. They'd say you get $15,000 cash if you buy it. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, like I wanted to buy 10, I get $150,000. I become rich guy. Sure. You sure. know, they, yeah. they, they of course don't focus on, okay, you had to pay 60. But, you know, I, I mean, well, it's just the way the marketplace works. They want to put on the customer the perception that it's really cheap while they're picking your picking all the money out of your wallet. I mean, that it's fair. That's that's fair. That that's yeah, it's, it's what, fair. But it's but it, the fact it, is that, that they did this in order yeah. to get pe- more and more people to buy them because nobody knew of how course. much it was going to cost of course. To, to operate them. And now it turns out. And this was in the last issue of the, of the yeah. dispatcher. It turns out that these cars are more expensive because he was saying, you know, once you buy this, you have no cost. You, you know, electricity, you know, you don't see the cost of electricity. How much is electricity, right? You plug your car in, you, you know, the car, you're running. So nothing is, you're not. And by the way, if you go out there and drive your car on the road and you use one of our supercharging stations, it's free. Well, he had yeah. to stop doing that, but but initially it was free. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's all free. I mean, everything is everything yeah. is free. Yeah, right. And I, I mean, I mean that's that's fair in a marketplace. I mean, you, you're allowed to pr- promote the, the the positives of your product and and provide incentives. It's done all the time. I mean, it's part of. Hey, if if that's if call that capitalist, call that whatever you want. Call that, call it, you know, I call it lying. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, you do, you know, buyer beware. We always, I mean, you always know buyer beware. I mean, okay. The, the, what I'm trying to get to is that there is a perception 
right now that electricity is really cheap. Now, when I grew up, which is almost the time when you grew up and almost mm-hmm. the time when Fred grew up, mm-hmm. I mean, the thought electricity was really expensive. And the thought of heating your home was expensive. And the thought of air conditioning your home was expensive, or maybe because we had no money. And now I happen to have maybe two nickels to rub together, but not more. But it, 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 the perception was electricity was expensive. What has been done lately is to make the concept, the perception that electricity is cheap. And, and it's, it's pervasive over everything. You know, we're going to now use electricity to do things because it's so inexpensive in part. Plus, it does all the other things. At some point, the electric utilities are going to be at capacity. They probably are right now. And as we know, when things hit capacity, what happens to the price? The price just, I mean, at some point, they're going to raise the price. Now, they're regulated and so on and so forth and efforts and whatever, but the price is going to go up. Why? Just all the things that you said, supply demand. The demand on this is going to be so great, so great that the supply, when you turn off the, when you turn off the nuclear, when you turn off the, the, the coal, the supply, like, drops. I mean, we, look we've, at we've the, the Lawrence Livermore energy charts. I mean, that's yeah. all you need to look at. But we've, okay? we've seen it. it. We, don't, we, don't have to, we don't have to project, no, Alan. We, it, we, we see it now. You see it. No, you I, might no, see it. Fred might see it. Fred Dreyer might see it. The, the consumer right now, the policymakers right now, the people, the, the people what, uh, perceive the electricity to be free. Okay. <clears throat> At some point, free means overconsum- uh, enormous consumption. At some point, supply demand hits this thing. And when it hits it, it is going to be chaos. What about, the, the, what about those who point out that the, the, the solar panel costs have come down and, and will continue to come down? And if we equip it, the problem with so all those things, with- it, it, it takes too long. To, it takes a long time to get to get something substantial out there. You know, I, I just I went out to ride a, 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 a steam a coal fired steam locomotive on, on Friday and uh, in Iowa. And, you know, there are there are windmills all over all the farms. I think that, you know, farmers are probably getting more revenue from the windmills than they are from their corn. Maybe. I don't know. I haven't looked at it, but they're all over the place. And even with that all over the place, I don't know how you can stick more in there, but maybe you can. But all that takes time. But still, if you look at the amount of winter energy that's generated to go out and go replace the nuclear, replace the coal, replace the oil, and it's out in Iowa, there's nobody there, as Michael said. Mm-hmm. How do you get it to Jersey? Okay, well, so yeah, going, we're going to have windmills all over Jersey with, uh, with windmills. Yeah. I believe there, there's that. not going to be a window in Princeton. I'll tell you that. I, I mean, I don't believe it. I mean, I said, yeah. oh, geez, we don't we don't have a cell tower. I don't think. I mean, you know, whatever. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to so, return to the article. I'm my my point. 
in the article. And the reason that I used George Packer and, and his analysis, his, his points of analysis, was to try to identify the main cause for why we're not going to be able to have a rational discussion about this, to make rational decisions, which everyone can live with, and where we can continue to have a society that's based on growth. If everyone is willing, if everyone decides we don't want a society based on growth, we want to have 1.5 degree uh, increase by 2050, then everyone is going to have to, essentially everyone is going to have to do what many places did during COVID, which is essentially shut down. The only services that were available were emergency services. And even that, even with those shutdowns, with people not driving their cars, with people, people who are at home. And the result of people being at home was instead of having the heating bills and the electric and the, the cooling bills in places of work, we just increased the amount of, of energy that we were using in our houses. We weren't driving on buses, we were riding on buses and, and undergrounds and other, other sorts of things because of, of the, the danger. But we had to get to places, even emergency, even emergency places, we had to get to those places. So we know what we need to do in order to get to 1.5, which is basically shut everything down. If you're going to shut everything down, your, your society is going to be a very different one than the one we have today. We wouldn't be having this discussion because we wouldn't have the electricity to spend on it. We wouldn't have any reason to have these discussions because we'd all be basically waiting for something else to happen. We, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't have any educational systems. We wouldn't have any reason for educational system. We're closing down shop. We're going to wait until everything gets back down to a, a, an absolute minimal level and then maybe we can start thinking about starting over again. That's the situation that we're in right now. And we're, going to, we're forcing people to make that decision. But we're not communicating what, those, what, what the implications are. I don't think if you walk down the street in, in Princeton, you ask someone, you know, do you know what's going on in, in Glasgow right now? And they'd probably nine out of 10 would say, no, they don't. And if you said the person who said, yeah, we know it's, I know what's going on there. They're having a discussion about you know, how we're going to, we're going to solve the, the, the end of the climate problem, you know, and we have the solutions. All we have to do is implement those. What is that going to mean to your life? You know, are you going to be able to continue to, to use your computer, carry your telephone around? What does that really mean in, 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 fit, in real terms? And when, if you tell someone what it means is that you're not going to be able to do what you what you've been doing. You know, during COVID, you could we forced you to stay indoors in, pl- in certain places, and look what's happened. We've got we have riots in places like Germany, in places like Italy. People are rioting. I mean, we, the 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 cost of fuel went up in in France. How long did the the did the did the yellow vest folks go out there, and and protests but not not nicely you know not you know let's everything will be okay let's just we're just going to give you a little information they were out there saying we're not going to pay this we're not going to do this and that's the situation that we're in right now and our politicians are not doing their job and the job that they need to do is to communicate to the people who are living in their societies this is the situation this is what we think is the is the, the right way to go. And if they say all you need to do is buy electric cars, 
and the problem is solved, that is not very responsible. What, what should the, what should be Michael, considered? Let, in wait, Glass wait. Let me, let me. Let me. I'm gonna. I want to get back a little bit to my comment with respect to the supply demand of the electricity issue, because we have yet to face a, a supply shortage on the electricity side, I believe. And I and and I believe that I th I think I'm right in that. And at some point, how does one deal with shortage? One deals with shortage on a combination of price and rationing. But, but wait a minute, and, and, Alan. We yeah. have we have had we have brownouts. Yeah, that is true. That is true. Yeah. That is true. Okay, so we have some, but the brown uh, but the brownouts have been have been have been few and far between lately and that is uh, and, and that is and, and at this the problem is the scale okay the, the the scale is such that as we shut down the nuclear and as we shut down the coal and we don't have the replacement energy forget about the increased demand now there's even an increased demand because we're sw switching from petroleum mm -hmm. to electricity. This is an enormous increase. I mean, again, I am so stuck on the Lawrence Livermore charts. You know, the, in, in, in COVID year, we went down 7% in the total energy consumption in the United States. That's, that's essentially a complete shutdown as you as you pointed out, but a shift in where a lot of the energy was consumed, more energy was consumed at home than in the office than in the other place. But even that, that enormous shutdown that we all put up with, that we all, you know, hated, I, there isn't a person that loved it, it all disrupted our lives. That was only in the U.S. a 7% reduction in the amount of energy that we used a complete you know almost disruption of our lifestyles okay are you saying it was only i mean it disrupted it amazingly but it was only seven percent what would happen if it was ten percent or fifty percent is that what it would you're be saying? or no i'm saying i am saying that that disruption caused a decrease of seven percent the introduction of any substantial amount of electric vehicles, the shutdown of coal, the shutdown of nuclear um, draws from the whole system much more than 7% reduction in availability of electricity. Yeah. It now needs to be produced something in some other way. Okay. <laughs> and I'm suggesting that that, 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 that there's, I, I see no way in the short term for either the wind or solar or water being able to, to come up in any fast way to compare to the shutdown. It can't. It cannot. And so, and so therefore, the, the supply of energy <laughs> reduces. So even if we reduce our, ourselves to COVID activity, Mm -hmm. We aren't able to reduce our activity enough to make up for now the non-availability of the electricity. Yeah. So then at this point, at this point, what do we do? 
okay? Demand is much greater than supply, okay? Even if we shut, reduce some of our demand, but because we've so curtailed the supply, which we can, we can shut off coal plants instantly. We can shut off nuclears instantly. We can, okay, because of that, that reduction, now there's an enormous shortage of electricity. Mm -hmm. So what do we do? We have the brownouts. So we selectively decide you don't get it, okay? We then can price it. Oh my goodness, but then there's regulatory oversight over that. So how much is that going to happen? So, you know, it's not there. So therefore, you know, complete blackouts. And, and, and if there is that to a substantial amount, then I don't know, you have more things that happen in Washington. I don't know. Tell me, how, how do you deal with that? There's... Well, we we totally agree. The, the, yeah, the situation I, I, the situation that we've created, and are continuing to to create and foster, is not sustainable. So, Fred, you you ask what what should we do? First of all, we should stop turning off nuclear. Second, okay. we should we should stop we should stop this insanity of saying you can't drive your cars. You know we're going to ban electric, ban ice vehicles. We have the methods and have, we're developing the methods to reduce the amount of emissions. That's the goal. The goal isn't to turn off nuclear plants and the goal isn't to, to stop cars with, with driving a gasoline. The, the goal is to reduce the emissions. I mean, we have to, we have to focus on what the objective is here. If, if you're saying, you know, we're out on the street and, and the reason that we're protesting is to get cars off the streets. Well, that's another protest. That's another, that's something else. You want to do that? That's okay. But if the objective is to reduce the emissions, focus on that. We don't have any emissions with nuclear, but we by shutting off nuclear, you're forcing us into a situation where we're using more coal. This is what's happened in, in China. China tried to shut off their coal, uh, their coal electricity generation in time for COP26 to, you know, to look good. And it turned out that they were in a, in a terrible jam because they, they weren't generating enough electricity. So they had to start you know, very quickly putting back the coal that, was, that they had taken out. We need to do that. We need to, we need to focus on, on getting with the fuels that we have right now of forcing more and more clean cleanness in those fuels. We, we were 10 years ago, we were doing a very good job, but then we started to say, well, we just stop all coal. And by, by saying we'll stop all coal, people stopped investing in, in making that coal clean. We were doing, I pulled out some, some articles that I, that I had saved from 12 years ago, where we were doing a really good job of cleaning the coal you know, of taking out the, the, the bad stuff from the coal that we're burning for electricity. The investments that we should be making in, 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 in ensuring that we have the fuels that we need, the energy that we need, you know, is, is the difference between 2050, 2051, 2060. That's not really important. The important thing here is to decide if we're going to close down society in order to achieve objectives which aren't the objectives that, we're, that, we're, that we should be achieving, which is make sure that we're not going over a certain temperature 
and we can do that, but at the same time, keep our societies running. Otherwise, we, we, you know, we're, we're killing ourselves. What's the point of keeping a society, keeping the planet, if, we're, if, you know, if nobody can live in it? Because we, we've closed down everything that makes life worth living. And keep in mind, one thing to keep in mind is this is 200 years old. This started with the Industrial Revolution. Yeah. Before yeah. the Industrial Revolution, all that carbon was underground, whether it was coal or oil or gas, it was all under there. When we started to take these out and to be able to, to make those, those steam trains that, that Alan was running around in on, uh, over the weekend and that I love as, as well, when we started pulling that carbon out of the ground, that's when this whole situation started to occur. We threw that carbon up into the atmosphere and many, most of what we threw up there not most, not all of it, but but a good deal of it is still up there. That's what's creating the problem. It's not my, you know, my driving my RAV4 today. The problem is 200 years ago, we started throwing carbon up into the atmosphere and it's still there. It's creating the situation that we have right now with global warming. So, you know, if we just could, then one of the solutions and people, is, people say, no, we can't do that. Don't focus on that because if you do, you're going to take resources away from making us, you know, putting it into to giving incentives for people to buy electric cars. It's to pull that stuff out of the out of the atmosphere. And every time you see somebody saying, you know, we've got this great idea, and the, you know, next thing you say, well, that'll never work. You know, it'll take too much time for you know get that. Just forget that. Don't don't even forget about it. Don't even think about that. It's not going to work. Well, why not? Isn't it being done on a small scale uh, today? It's, of course it is, but it's being it's being it's it's being marginalized, and we're not we're not putting enough effort into getting into to removing the the uh, CO two that's up there. I mean, the CO two that's up there does do some good. I mean, if you look at where we were four billion you know, four billion years ago, with with the amount of oxygen that we had in the atmosphere back then was almost nothing awful lot of methane and then suddenly not suddenly but over a course of a long period period of time two <laughs> billion years depends the know, time frame it yeah, might be yeah. suddenly on some time yeah. frame you know yeah. suddenly we had suddenly we had enough oxygen so some people could start breathing but you know when when the, when the whole thing started 4.2 billion years ago there wasn't much uh, you know yeah, I, I guess the the other thing, my, my point with the with the seven percent of of uh, COVID is, is that even you know going to the extreme of completely not in some sense not driving, not doing all the things and, and disruption, it's only seven percent. The chopping of the coal, the chopping of the petroleum, the chopping of the nuclear out of the energy, you know, food chain. <laughs> is much more than 7%. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so, you know, um, that's, to me, that's part of the fundamental challenge here is that, um, uh, you know, this is, uh, we require a certain amount of energy to do what the heck we to, to have the 340 million people in the U.S. maybe be able to feed their families and you know have a half decent life. I mean, and that's that's basically whatever it is, a hundred quads, or I don't even know what a quad is, the number and whatever. But and that's what it is, and and it has to come from a from the various places, and and uh, we build up an infrastructure that that creates it in various ways. 
I mean, electricity, you think about it, it's kind of neat the way it works, but it, you know, if you look at, at the inefficiencies that are associated with, with the creation of electrons and then the, the consumption of the electrons where you need to consume them, I mean, there's, you know, it does, it's not very pretty. I mean, there are losses and whatever and so on all over the darn place. And then the, and of course, here in Princeton, we've always thought that thermonuclear fusion was going to be, you know, the solution and so on and whatever. And it may very well be sometime, but that sucker always seems to be 50 years into the future. But guess what? We're back into the nuclear world that essentially is, a, is something you can't even mention now. I mean, uh, now they call it hydrogen. OK, so that so that uh, but where does that come from? And, and so on, uh, you know, you need energy to create it. So anyway, it, it's it, it's a tough it's 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 tough. It's tough. We'll be back with more, but first, this is a good time to remind you about our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. To get more info, head to MOTOETF.com. On the website, look for the white paper. It's called the Smart Transportation Revolution. It's under the Insights and News tab. Some great information there to help you make informed decisions about investing ETFs, as you probably know, can be a smart way to spread risk with investments and focus on a particular category of stocks. The website, again, is MOTOETF.com. We're back with more of Smart Driving Cars and our guest, Michael Senna. Michael, along the same lines of what we've been talking about, you highlight in the latest dispatcher uh, a report about Porsche Siemens Energy having a partnership working on a synthetic climate neutral fuel that they call e-fuel. What, what do we know about this? Well, it's, it's, uh, I think it's a, it's a great idea. There's another in the case, another case where, where we have alternatives. Think, think of if every car that was out there right now, instead of running on, on gasoline or, or diesel, which puts out emissions at the, at the, the tailpipe, could run on a fuel that didn't. And you know why aren't we why aren't we dealing with a billion 1.4 billion cars rather than trying to make all cars electric? It's going to take it's going to take more than 15 to 20 years, even if every car could be taken off the roads, which has been have already been made, which are out there now. 1.4 billion cars out there running on gasoline or diesel. If we could make those cars emission free, not tomorrow, but maybe next week, instead of waiting to replace all of those. And that's what these guys are doing. And, and Porsche says, well, we have a good reason for doing this because 70% of the cars that we've, we've built from the day that we started are still on the road. You know, if you have a Porsche, you, you, you want that, that, that car to continue running. And yeah, you know, classic cars, maybe they'd have a, have a, get a pass and they'd be able to run, but to be able to actually use the car on a daily basis. So they're developing a, a, um, a fuel, which is, uh, which, which starts work with, with, with existing vehicles. Is that the idea? All cars, any yeah. car, 
any car that's 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 there now you put this you put it it's like it's like a biofuel but it's not made from trees or or you know plants it's made using an electrolysis process where they split water into oxygen and hydrogen and then it goes through a couple of other steps and it ends up being a fuel that that you know that goes into your car and you pump it in exactly the same way as you pump in gas or or gasoline or or uh, or diesel um you know and they say well it's expensive well, how much what's expensive well it would it would cost about nine dollars a gallon really that's that's pretty you know pretty much pretty expensive how much do you did you pay for the last time the last time you filled your car up was it two dollars a gallon three dollars a gallon it's, it's up to three fifty in New Jersey. Yeah. Barnard, well, you, know, Cal- you know how much you know how much I pay the last time I filled my car up here? <laughs> the equivalent the equivalent of seven seven dollars and seventy five cents a gallon. And it's going up. Why is it well now we're into the logistics thing? Yeah, the price of been, gasoline. You're gonna buy an electric car next week, so then you won't not, have to not pay an, that. No, no go ahead, no, go, no, go, no, go on. No, 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 I'm not. No, Just even think if they, you'll say even you'll if they say no, the electricity's no. free. No. How can you be so stupid, Michael? Come yeah. on, cut it I out. <laughs> I don't. I don't live above the North Circle where I live. The electricity is not free. So that's oh. that's that's Oops. what they're doing. That's what they're doing. And the reason that they they built this uh, plant, this first plant, Siemens and uh, Porsche together, in um, down in South America, a place in Chile where the Ecuador, something where the wind blows very much and very hard <laughs> so they've got uh, lots of clean clean energy to make this with well it sounds fascinating well we have a couple of other headlines uh, to, to, to touch on that i think uh michael might have a comment or two as well yeah. um alan uh hertz sent tesla shares soaring uh, this week with the announcement that it's ordered a hundred thousand tesla vehicles yeah, I mean that's I found that very interesting. Uh, one is is that I guess you know Elon continues to be a, a great marketer, and at a time that announcement was made was also the announcement that he that he had to pull uh, full self driving um, off of his beta, and you know you had exactly at the same time this whatever might be perceived as great and this whatever that might be perceived as oh my goodness he's being a total failure and the stock goes through the roof so i don't know if it's, you, you have you know, a different view though don't you of of his decision to to pull the, yeah. the full self-driving data. yeah well no but but it was you know from from a marketplace point sure. of perspective that's I would have thought that was perceived as my goodness. Um, um, He's not as good as he is. And on the other one, my goodness, he just cut a great deal that uh, that's going to allow a a whole uh, additional uh, set of potential buyers to experience his car and therefore, you know, show up and, and buy, buy, buy. And it seems as if the way Wall Street uh, responded to this is that, I guess, like any news is good news, I guess, because uh, they combine those two things. And I don't know. Um, yes, the, the Hertz news is very good news for him. 
Um, uh, and then a couple but, days later, this was like a complicated sports trade where you give me one player and I'm going to send this player to this other team. Well, Uber, he, 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 Uber made a deal uh, launching a partnership with Hertz to take 50,000 of these vehicles as a rental option for its drivers. Yeah, I know. And and to me, that thing just uh, that that sort of then that that suggests that the whole deal is put together. I guess Hertz is out there making sure that they, they somehow survive survive because they're just coming out of uh, bankruptcy and somebody wonders whether or not I don't know I if I, I haven't looked at their balance sheet closely and whether or not the, there's anything real there and then and then they go with the other guy who's on life support Uber and and uh, they pump together another pump and dump but uh, you know um, uh, that's what that one seems like uh, again uh, what does that do for Uber that Uber is going to go have gig workers go and 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 acquire Teslas great I guess that's for their super expensive uh, Ubers that are in San Francisco I guess they're the only folks that use those and um, and um, I guess I always thought that that Uber was a great idea if it could scale and scale means providing, uh, you know, affordable mobility to a whole heck of a lot of people, as opposed to uh, very expensive mobility to the super rich. And this is now, to me, seems like an, uh, an infusion, uh, an, a push to go after the super rich again. Um, and they can, I guess, make a profit there. The problem is I don't think they can scale there. So they can be a very nice little niche company, you know, with a cap value of who knows what small amount. But um, how can they possibly be, be worth uh, any sizable cap? Um, just serving the super, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's, I think, um, it, it's, it's a limousine service for Las Vegas and, um, and San Francisco and, and Silicon Valley. Well, you know, the Uber drivers can rent a Tesla through Hertz starting this coming Monday in LA, San Francisco, San Diego, and Washington, DC, they're saying with more cities yeah. to come. Yeah. And the price is going to be $334 a week. That yeah. includes insurance and maintenance. And Uber yeah. says that the price may come down uh, somewhat as, as this program. Yeah. Extends. And, and you, there's, um, I'm sure, all sorts of nice promotionals up front and so on. And I think what one has to then look is, is to the extent that such a thing is sustainable and for whom and what and, and, uh, and uh you know go through the details of, of that darn thing it is it is it is bling it's a lot of bling on on a particular um um segment of the of the marketplace and i think whenever you see I, at least whenever i see bling i have to you know put on some sunglasses and um and see what what's really there because you know sure in the short term this is this is like wow whoa you know i was happy to see it i you know i bought a few shares of tesla a few months ago you know i, I was a happy camper i thought the, whoa <laughs> i mean wow i thought i thought that that not having full self-driving was gonna you know so i made two dollars but you know 
Michael, <laughs> uh, uh, I, I have I have no comments on the on the Hertz thing. I mean the whole the whole business with with uh, the business model for for rental cars is is very complicated, and Hertz is Hertz is hurting, um, and as as all rental car companies have been hurting because of the their primary market has been people who uh, travel and like I did for years. Whenever yeah. I would get into a, a plane, I knew that at the other end, I'd, I'd have a visit to the to the uh, rental car company. And um, and you had a, you, you, your your travel was being paid by somebody else. Yeah, my travel was so being other, paid by somebody else. You know, yeah. other people's money. OPM yeah. is yeah. wonderful exactly. way to do business. Okay, yeah. you know, whatever. <clears throat> and I'm sure you cared, but that some people cared more about the perks that they got out the other side that weren't taxed by the tax system and the, and the company let you keep them and so yeah. on. And, and the companies got ripped off by their employees doing that. Um, but, uh, you know, I think if you did all the accounting on that, you, you would find that the, that's exactly what happened. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, with those folks not out there with their, with their, with using other people's money to do their transactions, uh, the rental car companies have found it a very tough go. So now when you go to rent a car, it is expensive. And if you don't have other people's money to pay for it, mm. and but it boy, it's really nice to have Uber and Lyft out there. And uh, But how long is that sucker going to last? Yeah. Um, because those folks want to be paid too. So I, I tip them nicely whenever I use them. But I, but I, what I was prefacing, that was prefacing, what I, <clears throat> Tesla saying, we're going to take our beta off, off the market. We're not, we're going to take it away from our, the customers who've who paid for it and who are testing it for us because it turns out it's it's not working very well. This this was a pure political move. I mean, he's had the opportunity to do this for the last six years, seven years, since they started putting this on the market. This is a pure political move on his part because of of the the the, the situation he got himself in. We talk about doing dumb things. The first person you don't want to get off your side, she wasn't on his side to begin with, but to come out with a tweet when Missy, Missy Cummings was, was uh, appointed as this, the strategic advisor to, the, uh, to NHTSA, you know, and, and to come out with a really stupid comment. And everybody just pounced on that. So what are you doing? I mean, she's she's a she's a decent person. She knows what she's doing. And, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and she's, she's a very she's, competent she's person. Extremely, she's been there. <laughs> she's extremely competent. She knows what she, yeah. she knows what she's talking about. And for someone like to someone, how dumb can you be? I mean, he, he the, should, the first he thing, should. the first thing you don't do, is to make a comment. If you know, if, if of course she's been, so have I. I mean, I, so I've been, I, I think I know. have too. I have an eye or but I, you know, I haven't, I'm not in, I'm not in his, definitely not in his crosswords. If he ever read this, read the stuff that I, that uh, I write about him, he, I mean, he'd, he'd probably be suing me, but at this point, 
But um, he, they are yeah. still under the gun from the from the uh, NTSB as well. I mean, sure. comments all the all the time about absolutely that. no, no, no it, it and should and should be. And should, and be. should and, be and and but I'd, I'd say michael i think it's brilliant of him to to do this because he's finally listening he's finally doing it and i think i think what happened or what seems to have happened is that 10.3 the latest release had it so that the automated emergency braking system wasn't turned off when you turned that sucker on I think I don't know if that's true. So I'm sure somebody, hopefully, somebody listening will will correct me and send mm-hmm. me an email and say that's not true. But all of a sudden, the folks that were tested, that were beta testing it, all of a sudden ran into the issues with the automated emergency braking system. The braking business of this of of the of test of of Tesla's being be, being spooked. Let's use that term uh, by stationary objects ahead. That the automated emergency braking system should, if they it thinks that there's a stationary objects, uh, certainly begin to slow you down if you're going at whatever. You know these systems were I, they were turned off if you're going over. I guess what Nitsis tests them at 12 and 24 miles an hour and maybe 40 miles an hour, which is what Volvo was doing and so on. Why? Because the problem, the, the, the false alarm aspects of uh, stationary objects, which are all over the place as you're driving down the road all the time, you know, it, that, that false alarm rate does not have to be very hard, large for the brakes to be tapped every once in a while. When the brakes are tapped, depending on, you know, hey, every 20th of a second or whatever, you have recover and you untap, do da, 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 whether or not you even sense it and so on and so forth. All of a sudden, you know, it became such that holy mackerel, I mean, his, his fer- most fervent testers were out there, holy hell, this damn thing's not working. One of the observations that I've had watching the videos that people have posted of, of, of uh, the, the 1.3, even the uh, 10.3, even the 10.2 release, is that you're driving down the road, you, you watch the animation or the representation of what uh, the perception system is actually uh, thinks that it sees out there. You, you see a bunch of cars, you see the pedestrians, you see the traffic lights, you see you see even a couple of trees and, and posts and so on and so forth. And it looks really good until you approach an, uh, an underpass. Okay. And it, I don't believe they've ever displayed in that, in that image, uh, that, that, that that the the overpasser you know you're going under it they never display it why because they disregard it why because it's a stationary object ahead i have never seen one of these animations hey i haven't looked at the, all that many but ones that i've seen such that the vehicle is approaching and there's a stationary object in the lane ahead it doesn't show it, it disregards it okay and that's why it doesn't show. I think it's in the code. And now Maybe. hopefully they're going to be addressing that. Now, hopefully now he finally realizes that all the great things about full self-driving, it 
it is able to do the signs. It's able to do the traffic lights. It's able to do the turning movements. It's able to, to anticipate where the other cars are going, the pedestrians, the bicyclists, all the things that you really need to do to do uh, all that. All of a sudden, you know, he may go back and, oh, my goodness, what about all these other stationary objects that I could get myself into trouble that I sort of just... Well, I, I assume they were really weren't there. This was this was a false alarm. I said you would go buy it. Maybe he'll go back and and get those things to work. So when it's not a false alarm, you're not you're not Jonathan Brown. Well, Alan, uh, we we want to remind our, our audience that the next Smart Driving Cars Summit is now set for May. We had originally hoped to have it uh, in November, but it's off until May. And people can stay tuned for much more on that. Yeah, right. At one point, I had the audacity to think that even tonight we were going to start it. On, oh, or on, or, or yeah, yeah. I think it was like I don't know. No, no. A week from t- tonight. From I mean, tonight, I, I would, I'd be going nuts if that was the case. Uh, um, yeah, we, um, we are. I, I must admit that that uh, we're just having a wonderful reception in terms of, um, of the thoughts of actually trying to build, uh, bring uh, uh, equitable, affordable, uh, high quality mobility to Trenton. We're, we're involved in, in, uh, in talking with the, the people that live there and the people that have businesses there. And it's just, it's, it's, um, it's heartwarming, the, the wonderful reception that we're getting. So hopefully by, you know, by next spring, uh, you know, we can have the technology companies taking us seriously and, and we can have people coming here and trying to do that little bit. We're, we're not going to solve the, 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 the climate crisis with it. We're not going to, we're not going to do that, but at least we'll, we'll, I, we'll start focusing this technology on, on some some valuable contributions, which is you know improving uh, the quality of life of some people that uh, that have been left behind by all the gas guzzling uh, vehicles that we put out there. <laughs> Michael, we want to thank you once again for for sharing all of your insights. Always terrific. And the, the website is michaellsena.com. Yes, thank you. Michael, and, and uh, please get better. Hope your knee gets better. And uh, of course, it will get better and, and get back out there. And and I guess you saw last weekend, boy, did we steal one from Harvard. Harvard. I mean, it was so wonderful. <laughs> you, you, you didn't see it. You didn't. You weren't able to go to the game. I wasn't able to go to the game because yeah. uh, I was at my daughter's um, uh, um, um, uh, field hockey game and uh but the the president showed up at, in, in the middle of the first quarter and watched it uh, for three quarters standing there and then then had his picture taken with with my daughter's team and you know it was, it was so yeah. i i also had fun good <laughs> good thank you to our sponsor the smart etfs smart transportation and technology etf the ticker symbol for the etf is moto and more info is available at motoetf.com you can find us once again at smartdrivingcar.com also on anchor fm spotify TuneIn, apple google spreaker wherever you turn to for podcasts that smart speaker can play us too you can find my tech reports at textonation.com I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Thanks for listening or watching, and please stay safe. Thank you all. Thank you, Fred. Thank Thank you. you, Michael. Thank you.